it's really the opposite of what you deserve. I can say this because I'm one of them. Church people, we're pretty bad at this. We, we think because we've been in a certain place a certain time and we've taught a certain class and well I nailed the bo- I, I didn't I nailed that board right there when they built it was a hot day I remember it I was a part of that I built I helped actually build the building see what is it that you deserve and why so We're in the middle of a series on cliches, and two weeks ago, Pastor Chris kicked this off with, God will never give you more than you can handle. It sounds biblical. He basically said, it's not. It's not because it puts God in a position of where he would deal you suffering in some way. Last week, I did the second part, which was, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't get him to drink, and this is the third and final week of this mini-series on cliches. Last night we had a a life group, interestingly enough, who decided that they were going to do a date night out for whoever wanted to bring their kids and the, uh, the parents could go on a date or go hang out. So we decided in our family that we were going to take them up on this. Now we decided a little different that we decided that we were going to take our daughter who we hadn't seen all week who'd been at teen camp. We said, well, let's take her out to eat and we'll drop our son who's 11 off. So when I told him that, what are you guys going to do? I said, well, we're going to take Jazz out to eat. Oh, really? I'm like, like, buddy, it's been me, you, and mom all week long. We we haven't seen Jazz. Would would it be okay if we, we would hang out with her this week? I mean, he was not happy. Now, he wanted to go to this, but he was just ticked that... You're going to drop her off and take her out, you know, like, come on, man. Do you want to go to this? Yes, I want to go. Do you have a scorekeeper in your family? We have a scorekeeper. He's 11. He's not in the room right now. I wish he was in some respects. Maybe you have a grandchild who's a scorekeeper. Do you know this person? I'm not talking about once in a while. I'm talking about... Everything that happens, he keeps score. You're still with me, right? Second story. This is an image from a holy place in Ocean City, New Jersey. Maybe some of you have been there. Manco and Manco Pizza. Can I just get a show of hands to help me out? How many of you have eaten this pizza? God bless you all. Then you will understand what I'm about to share. I am a pizza connoisseur. I love pizza. We even have in this local fellowship a gentleman who is more of a pizza connoisseur. And if you want great pizza, he willingly will drive you to New York City and he will get you a slice of pizza. Some of you know who I'm talking about. I have not gone with this gentleman yet, but it's not for lack of trying. I keep trying to invite myself. We just can't get our calendars together. But I have invited him to this location. This pizza is so good that for me, I don't go to this location without ever stopping. If I've had dinner, I'm still going there to get a slice of pizza before I leave. All of those of you who go to the Delaware beaches and the Ocean City, Maryland beaches, that's fine. But this is it right here, I promise you. Now, some of you are like, yeah, right, whatever. I promise you this is great pizza. Here's the issue. Why are you talking about this? The issue is that sometimes we get together as a family with other people. 
And we will try to, have you ever done this? Have you done the pizza math? Like, how many slices are you going to have? Okay, she, she's going to have two. And how many are you going to have? He's going to have two, and she said she's going to have one. And, and so then you base your order of the pizza on what you think. So typically, it's a large group of us that get together. It's two pizzas. It's three pizzas. It might be four pizzas. But I've in my head, because I don't get this very often, I've done the pizza math. I look around the room. I've surveyed it. I know who should get how many pizzas. And it doesn't take me long to figure out they lied. They lied. She just had two. I've heard a comedian talk about this, and I've done this. And the reason it's so funny to me is because I do the pizza math. It's not fair. I don't like it when people aren't honest. Because if I drive all the way down there, and we order the four slices, I mean the four pizzas, and, and people are, it's really bad when you get in the car and you leave, and someone wants an extra slice. Because now you can't go back. You're still with me, right? What's fair? Here's some, here's some quotes on fairness. A fair deal, a fair shake, be a fair game, fair and square, fair enough, fair to Midland. I have never understood what that means. Fair-haired boy, fair-weathered fan. Listen, if you are a Phillies fan and you have watched for three straight days, there is no way you are a fair-weather fan after what they've done for three days. Fair-weathered friend, get a fair shake, all's fair in love and war. But here it is. Here's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Here it is. That's not fair. Now, I should have put my son's picture up here, but I didn't. I, I'm not talking this morning about basic, not even basic. I'm not talking about, I'm not addressing outright injustices in our world there are those and as Christian people are you listening you should be bothered by them you should be impacted by outright injustices in our world whatever they are you name them however you want to frame them I won't name them all but they should bother you that's not what I'm talking about and I'm going to talk from two scriptures this morning both are from Matthew here they are Let's start in Matthew chapter 5. I will let the scriptures speak. You have heard that it was said in Matthew chapter 5. This is the Sermon on the Mount, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. What? Now this is Old Testament stuff. This is in Exodus, it's in Leviticus. This was the way it used to be. You were allowed to do this. You, someone did something to you, you could do it back. Some of y'all want to go back to those days, right? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That was Old Testament stuff. This is Jesus' words, by the way. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them on the other cheek also. Oh, boy. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. In this entire section in Matthew, Jesus says, you have heard. 
but I tell you. And he comes along and he raises it, not like a little bit, he raises it to this almost ridiculous level. You have heard that it, it, you, you shouldn't commit murder. I tell you, don't even be angry with people. H- how did we get there? You have heard, don't commit adultery. I tell you, don't even look at a woman. What? You have heard that eye for an eye, I tell you, don't resist an evil person. That's a massive jump. Jesus, you just want me to let people walk all over me. Is that what you're saying? Just let them do whatever they want. Just let them take advantage of me. That's what you're saying, right? That doesn't seem fair. Wow. The focus of Matthew 5 is on our helplessness. It's not fair what Jesus is asking. There was a famous study done on fairness. Some of you may have seen this. I'm going to show it to you. It's using two, stay with me, capuchin monkeys. Two different food items are used in this video. Very simple food items. And I want you to watch what happens with the two capuchin monkeys and these two simple food items, cucumbers and grapes. We're talking about fairness. What's fair? What do I deserve? Verse 1, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. (laughs) All of this happens. Stay with me now. All of this happens because of this entire section of Scripture in Matthew 19 into 20. We realize that when we read Scripture, there are breaks and verses, which there wouldn't have been. That's for us to be able to go back and pick out what was being said where so we can find it. But all of this is lumped together. This is coming off Jesus having a discussion about a rich young ruler. And he walks away. And all of the disciples are confused and they're like, wait a minute, he can't get into heaven? And so Peter asked the question, If this guy can't get into heaven, who they all thought would get into heaven, because in their minds, if you were rich, God had blessed you so you could get into heaven. So Peter says, well, who can get in? What's our reward? So then Jesus says, well, let me explain it to you. Here it is in chapter 20. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers in his vineyard. Vineyard also is a symbolism for Jerusalem, for Israel. Verse 2, he agrees to pay them a denarius or denarius for the day, and he sent them into his vineyard. Now, this isn't very much money. I did Google this today or, or earlier this week to try to figure out, like, what does a field worker get? This would not have been much money, but it would have been enough for the day. 6 a.m., he agrees to pay them. About 9 in the morning, he went out, and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. Verse 4, he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. Verse 5, so they went out, he went out again about noon, and about 3 in the afternoon he did the same thing. About 5 in the afternoon he went out and still found others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing around here all day long doing nothing? Verse 7, because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Verse 8, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call all the workers. 
call all of them and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired on to the first. You can see where this is going. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. Verse 10, so when they came, those who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each of them also received the same payment, a denarius. Verse 11, when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Verse 12, those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal. Here's the rub. We believe that fairness is about equality. You have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right? You had a right to come work. We agreed what it was going to be. Don't I have a right? Don't I have a right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Wow. Let me give you some thoughts on this. Do you notice in this story, a parable is a made-up story. So Jesus' response to Peter is a made-up story to get a point across, several points across, but there's one I'm going to drive home with you here. He negotiates with the first group only. 6 a.m., he negotiates with that group. Then there's a 9 a.m. group, a noon group, a 3 p.m. group, a 5 p.m. group. So there's five groups. He only negotiated with group number one. The rest, he just said, just go, and I'll give you what's fair. Just, just go, just go to work. And the first guys are not happy. They agree that it's a fair wage, so really it's on them. How about if we just had, I was going to do this, like if we just had like 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., 5 p.m., if we just had five people stand here and I just passed them out money after they had worked, why doesn't he do it in reverse order? Why doesn't he let the guys who came last, like, you know, the 6 a.m. guys, let's pay them and get them out of here. They wouldn't even see the other guys. They wouldn't have to endure this. Man, don't you like how he refers to them, even in their grumbling, as friend? How does the Savior refer to you in your grumbling? <laughs> I love that this landowner all day long seeks people out. It wasn't a one-time deal. He keeps going, and he keeps going, and he keeps hiring, and he keeps trying to help people. It's interesting that in Matthew 19, 30, it says, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And then he reverses it in chapter 20, verse 16, the last will be first and the first will be last. What is it, a math problem? The last will be first, the first will be last. And the no, the whole thing is about his generosity. His grace. 
his just extravagant, I just want to bless people who don't, by the way, deserve it. So what do you deserve? What is it that you deserve? The Lord is gracious and he demonstrates in very way, various ways that these guys like us, they just don't recognize it. They want recognition. They don't recognize that the landowner is gracious and they want recognition. Hmm. Here's my questions for you as I close. Does it bother you? Are you listening? Does it bother you to see others do well? Does it bother you to see others do well who in your mind don't deserve it? Does it rub you the wrong way a little bit? You say, no, I'm good. Let me get a little closer to home. How about with your kids? Does it bother you when your kids, you think, are not getting quite what they deserve? Does that bother you? And you look at the other families and you think, come on now, Lord. What is it that we deserve? Do you have trouble celebrating the success of other people and the graciousness of God? Here's the issue in our world right now. It's not an issue. It's a good thing, right? Here's a screenshot of, I don't know, all these different social media logos, right? And it's, while comical, just like the capuchin monkeys, our issue is, for many of us, not all of us, because not all of us are on social media, but this is the issue. The issue is that we know what's going on pretty much in everyone else's world, or so we think. And so on this social media world, we look and we compare and we, 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 we just figure that they've got it all. And it's like the monkey who looks to the left. He was perfectly fine with the cucumber. These guys were perfectly fine at the beginning of this story with what they agreed to. And then they saw something else. And man, that just stuck in their crawl. I have no idea where you're at, but I'm gonna tell you, there are things that I know about certain people in my life that I still have to surrender. I'm telling you, it's a work in progress where I am still wrestling with, Lord, I'm just being honest. When do they get found out? When do they get the justice that you have promised? Because I'm not seeing it. And then I feel bad because I'm like, why does that bother me? It's not for me to be concerned with. How's that going to help me? It's not. I'm really attracted to generosity. It comes in many, many forms. I love to celebrate others. I'm learning it. I want to show you this closing story. And you say, well, this is an easy one to celebrate after we watch this, but I think this is the kind of level of celebrating others that Jesus is trying to talk about. I, I try to come up with what I think visually would speak to you more than my words. This is a beautiful story about a basketball player on a team who's disadvantaged. And his opponent, I don't know if he's a Christian, he's a Christian. 
But his opponent is so moved that he has to live out of generosity. How are you doing in your celebration of others? It's really the opposite of what you deserve. I can say this because I'm one of them. Church people, we're pretty bad at this. We, we think because we've been in a certain place a certain time and we've taught a certain class and well I nailed the board I, I didn't I nailed that board right there when they built it was a hot day I remember it I was a part of that I built I helped actually build the building see what is it that you deserve and why it's the opposite of this just living out of generosity and the graciousness that he pours in all over you. When people look at your life, do they recognize that in you? A joy in just this, and I'm not going to keep score, and it's not always about the recognition, and it's not, I'm not picking on anybody. You guys are awful quiet today. I'm just asking you. I'm just trying to challenge you and say, how are you doing with this? Are you into fairness? Because our idea of fairness is not the kingdom's idea. You do know that, right? How are you doing with this? Are you willing? Are you excited? Is there any part of your heart that is overjoyed in celebrating others and maybe even celebrating others who don't, in your eyes, 